Welcome to the 5 and 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael DiNicola. This is the podcast that talks to amateur runners from the 518 area code who juggle family and work while training for distance races on the weekend. Today I'm speaking with John Linenar. John is one of the top competitors in the 518 area code. He runs for Willow Street Athletic Club, loves going to breweries, and will be running the Chicago Marathon this fall. As I record this, I can say last night he competed in the Workforce Team Challenge down in downtown Albany, took seventh place, and ran a time of 18.17 for the 3.5-mile course. He's a top contender and has lots to say in this podcast episode. Hey, John, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, it means so much to me being on this podcast. You have no idea. So let's see. I've been watching you for a little while now, a few years, uh, running in the races. And your races have been going really, really well. I've always wondered if you could tell us about your training uh, this past winter and about the races you have run thus far this year. How have things been going for you so far this year? So far this year, things have been going really well. I've been staying pretty healthy, injury-free. I think that's probably my most important focus going into any given season is just, you know, making sure that there aren't any things like that that are going to give me issues apart from just, you know, regular training roadblocks or things like that. Uh, This year, the first race that I did was the Lake Effect Half Marathon, and that's kind of become a tradition for me. So a fun fact about Syracuse people weren't already aware of it is that Syracuse is actually the snowiest city in the entire United States. And they hold the Lake effect half marathon in the dead of winter. So when I did it this year, it was sleeting for the first two miles of the race. And I've decided that sleet is the worst form of precipitation to run in. It's low visibility. It's slippery. It hurts when it hits your face. And it made the first few miles of the race pretty difficult but I think that is going to be moving forward in annual tradition still for me is doing that race because it's a good point where for anybody who doesn't really run in upstate New York or capital region or anything like that, they might be aware of, they might not be aware of the fact that everything kind of shuts down in the middle of the winter, unless you do a few winter series races that some places hold. But as far as big races are concerned, there's kind of a lull during the winter period when you're in upstate New York where there aren't really any big races going on. So that's a good big race to start off with the the intro to the season. And then from there, I typically try to do maybe a race every other weekend, maybe every weekend, depending on how it works out. I don't really try to do a race just to do a race, but I really do love doing races when it's, you know, going to be a nice event. Maybe it's an area that I haven't visited before and it gives me a pretense to go out there. So I just kind of keep doing races and keep doing races until it gets to my main race I'm preparing for for the season. In this case, my main race that I'm preparing for is Miles on the Mohawk that ARE are putting on. Okay. Um, and how did that Syracuse race go for you? What kind of time did you run? I ran a one twelve in the half marathon, which was decent. The last time I had run the same race, it was at a different point in my training cycle and a different point in the year, actually, that they held it. 
and I ran a 110. It was in a different course, uh, a similar style course, but I actually tend to like courses that loop on themselves so you can kind of break it up a little bit easier in your mind. So that course, it was four different loops of the same thing. This was also four loops, but it was four different loops that kind of go back and forth onto each other. And it helped me break it up in my mind. And I, I guess I was a little bit overly ambitious for what I was hoping for for the time. But when you're doing your first race of the season, I think it's just more about, you know, feeling good feeling comfortable enjoying being back into racing and not getting too hung up on the time. I guess uh, that, that sounds great. It sounds like things have been going well for you so far this year. Um, you know, and going back to, you know, we just all, you know, came out of the, the COVID era and things. And, um, you know, when things shut down in 2020, I noticed that you came out and ran some impressive races. One race I noticed was the uh, that inaugural uh, run for the river half marathon um, that year, what were you originally working toward and how did you pivot with your training to maintain and improve your fitness? So 2020 was actually, it started off as a, a very dark period for myself. If I'm being honest, uh, two days before my birthday in 2019, I fell when I was out running, I slipped on some ice and I broke my ankle in two places and I started off the year not even being able to walk, let alone run. Uh, early on that same year, my grandfather passed away, who I was pretty close with. And I was looking to start a new job. I had the job offer retracted due to COVID reasons. And I just kind of felt, you know, really isolated, really alone. I uh, didn't really feel like I had any direction in my life. I would definitely say that it was running and the running community that, pulled me through that kind of dark period for my life. Uh, there were a lot of people, Karen Bartasso, uh, Jake Irwin, uh, a few other local runners, Alex Perry, a uh, few people like that, that kind of pulled me through. They did organize runs, organize events, uh, just with local people doing little time trials, just little organized runs. And it really, you know, it meant a lot to me, to someone like me, where, you know, the, the local runs and the local races, they aren't the most important thing in the world. But to me, that they're, you know, they're pretty important. They're pretty up there because for someone like myself, that's really my main opportunity to be immersed in my community and feel like I'm, you know, a part of my, you know, my local area, my local running community. And when everything shut down, you know, I just felt very, very disconnected. And I felt like people kind of in the running community went out of their way to, you know, organize things, you know, still feel connected to each other. I thought Josh Morellis did a fantastic job of trying to do everything that he could to put together organized races. And when the pandemic happened, you know, I just I just like everybody else didn't know when the next race was going to be. So I wasn't really preparing for anything specifically. Uh, I remember the first big race that happened during the pandemic was uh, Helderberg to Hudson on the modified course in Altamont. And I remember just starting off the race, just so white hot, just flying out of the starting line and just sprinting out at the beginning, just because it was just such a mixture of 
emotions. It was, I hadn't been able to run and race in almost a year. I, there hadn't been a race on the horizon for, you know, forever. And I was finally able to run and race and do the thing that I most enjoyed. And, you know, it was just really exciting, really kind of cathartic moment, you know, that they were able to even put on an event like that. And just from there, I just, you know, I started to string together different races, just different events that, you know, people were trying to, to do what they could to put on different events. There was the Helderberg to Hudson. There was the run for the river. There were a few uh, virtual style runs that people did that people told me about. And uh, I got to, to try a few of those. Uh, but really, I mostly like, you know, the in-person races because, again, it's, you know, being, a, being able to be a part of your community, being able to feel like you're, you know, immersed in it and contributing to it. And, you know, all the different races are maybe part of a charity, uh, part of a benefit, part of a memorial. And that's, you know, that's really fantastic that they are able to, you know, be for a cause. But I think that all races, you know, regardless, also have kind of like a sub cause, which is, you know, just being able to contribute and be part of your community. I would agree with you that, uh, you know, the in-person races are definitely much better than the virtual races. I mean, even the virtual races have a cause to them. Um, but I, I myself missed gathering at the start line. That was one part that was important to me. So you and I have gone out on some runs and we've, we've talked about running shoes and you've told me what you thought about the running shoes that you were wearing. So what kinds, can you tell us what kind of running shoes do you train in? Do you race in? And also what are your thoughts on, you know, there's a lot of talk about carbon plated shoes and how they improve performance and people have different opinions about that. Tell us what you think about those shoes. Well, my favorite shoe to run in right now is the Endorphin Speed. I think it's just a fantastic shoe. I think that anybody who is just into regular running at really any level, they owe themselves to just try it out because it's just, I would say, a fantastic, fun shoe to run in, to train in. Um, there's the two generations of it now. There's the Endorphin Speed and then the Endorphin Speed 2. Same thing for their racer there's the pro and the pro two uh i'm a little bit more lukewarm on their racer shoe but i think that they really hit it out of the park with their trainer shoe which is the the speed for racing i really like the meta speed sky right now i don't think that you can really go wrong with the vapor fly or the alpha fly uh, i would really only use the alpha fly if you're training for maybe like a more downhill race or race that isn't overly hilly I've run in the Alpha Flies for a few races where it had some significant hills, but I wasn't really that crazy about them in the hilly races. I think they more excel in races where it's a lot of straight or a lot of downhill because they do a lot of great mitigation of impact. And I think that that's, for me, probably the, the best benefit that isn't really like the main marketed benefit of the carbon uh, the carbon fiber shoes or the carbon plate shoes is that it mitigates a lot of the impact. And say if you're doing a race like Boston, where there's a lot of downhill, then a lot of the damage that you're doing to yourself and doing to your body is mainly more from the downhill than it is from, you know, going uphill and the grinding uphill. So when you have shoes like the Alpha Fly, 
when I was last really seriously hurt and seriously injured, the only shoe that I was able to run in when I first came back was the Alpha Fly, just because it was so cushioned. Even other shoes that I had that I thought were really cushiony, they didn't hold a candle to the Alpha Fly as far as being really well cushioned. And as far as having the carbon plate racers uh, just for racing and for the running community in general, I mean, I think it's just the natural progression of running shoes. I think it's just like with anything. I think that with bikes for a long time, you had, you know, aluminum frame bikes or other types of metal for the bikes. And then they shifted over into the carbon fiber frame bikes. And then there was no going back from there. And so I think it's kind of the same deal with the shoes where, you know, the, it's the, nat- the next natural progression with the technology. And there's no going back once you progress the technology. I would say that they're probably here to stay. And, uh, well, maybe folks can either put them on or they would probably just have to get out of the way for other people that, that are wearing them. But um, so I, I've noticed with myself with uh, the carbon plated shoes and even the endorphin speed, um, you know, I have, I have uh, Achilles issues in my right foot. And I've noticed that the speed is definitely a shoe that, my right foot can tolerate and one of the only shoes right now that it can tolerate um it's kept my injury at bay and uh i would say based on my own experience and what you just said that there's something to be said about these new shoes that are now out there and uh most everybody is wearing them so um you know and when i i also wanted to say you know the moving moving forward here when i see a runner out there in his you know like 20s or 30s uh, or 40s doing really really well i i have to wonder all right what was high school and college like for that guy you know what what kind of an athlete were they in high school or in college would you like to share something about what high school and college was like for you in in the running world and competition wise yeah so in high school i didn't really start getting into distance running until my junior year it's kind of interesting actually because distance running in cross country that was the last sport that I kind of picked up when I was in high school. So I did that just as a pretense for being able to have a sport for the fall. It's because I just wanted to fill in a sport. I wanted to be an athlete who did a sport for every season. I did wrestling during the winter and I did other track stuff during the spring, uh, but not specifically distance running. And when I started doing cross country, I just got hooked on it. I just knew I knew immediately that was the sport that I mainly wanted to do. And I knew immediately that I wanted to continue doing it beyond high school. So when I was looking at colleges, I specifically was looking for colleges that might allow me to continue to run, you know, in some kind of team, some kind of team dynamic when I was in college, whether it was some kind of like college club team or division three, I ended up running division three at Rampo college of New Jersey it's at the very, very top of New Jersey. It's the last exit before you get into the state of New York. And I ran there every season. I guess if I was going to say my main claim to fame for something that happened in college was I was a, a Division three state champion in the 5K. Uh, it it's, maybe sounds like a, like a bigger deal than it actually was. But if I was looking back on my, my accolades, that was probably the main one. But then even when I was in college, I again felt like when I got out of college, I wanted to continue with running in some capacity. I wanted to just focus on 
distance running. I wasn't really that stoked about running on the track because I focused on the 5K and the 10K when I was in college. And running 25 laps on a track is just, this is not that exciting really to me when I'm, when I'm doing it. I've seen other people doing it who, you know, they run these, these phenomenal, unreal times on the track. And it, that's really exciting. But for me, just, you know, being on there running 25 laps, I would rather be doing that 10K on a road or on a trail or you know, somewhere else, anywhere else other than a track, basically. Yeah, I would agree that 10K on the track, that's a lot of laps around a track. <laughs> a lot to uh, be doing just one circle for the entire time. But um, so you had mentioned uh, Miles and the Mohawk for later this year, but I know that you have another goal race in mind for later this year. Can you tell us something about that? Yes, my goal race for the rest of the year is the Chicago Marathon. I was supposed to run it last year, but I deferred my entry because I got injured before the race was going to happen. Uh, I started to get injured, I want to say, around September of last year. And I believe I had a femoral neck stress fracture. So I did the Malta 10K, and I definitely should not have done the Malta 10K. I had a great experience when I was actually doing it. But as I was warming up for the race, I started to do the warm up and I couldn't even do a jog. I was just in so much pain and my leg would barely move. And there were people who looked like they were kind of local folks who don't really do races or running or really do any other running other than maybe like jogging to their car in the morning when it's cold out. And I was trying to warm up for the race and I couldn't and the race goes off and then I'm not even able to run for the first third of a mile and then it became numb and then I was able to do the race and run it and I ended up finishing second to Sean Donegan and then after the race got done I wanted to jog with Sean and I couldn't could, again couldn't run again I, I was uh, my leg wasn't working I wasn't able to even do a slow jog you know with with somebody at whatever pace and then at that point, I knew that I was way too severely injured to continue running. So I deferred my entry. And so I'm going to be looking to do Chicago. My goal for Chicago is to just not crash into the wall because that has happened to me in every single marathon I've ever done. I've done nine marathons, including an ultra marathon. And in every single one, I've hit the wall. So just trying not to hit the wall. And, uh, about your injury that you had, uh, what did you, what did you do about that? What kind of, uh, I guess, did you have physical therapy? What kind of exercises did you do to rehab yourself after the Malta 10 K? I did physical therapy and it didn't really work because they realized that it was not a muscular issue. It was a bone issue. Uh, after that point, I spent a lot of time in the recumbent bike and I really didn't enjoy, you know, doing the bike or doing other kinds of cross training that would maintain my fitness I think it's great, you know, when people want to do Peloton or swimming or anything like that. But I've just noticed that when I am not able to run, there isn't really anything else that fills the void of not being able to run. So when I'm not able to run, I'm just looking to do everything that I can to be able to get to the point of being able to run again. So I was just trying to run and when I was able to manage running again, just trying to run in the most comfortable shoes possible 
just stopping if it's too much pain. When I was first starting to run again, the pain of it was excruciating, just starting to run again with, you know, some residual injury or stress fracture. And it was, it was really pretty brutal. But I think that the fact that I've had other really, really severe injuries and issues in the past kind of made it so it was an issue of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it was made it so I was able to, you know, come back and just be confident that I would be able to return to the same point that I was before I was injured. And how long did that take you to come back from? It was about a month and a half, maybe. Okay. Did you ever, did you have to go to like a boot at all or like a special boot or something or? No, that happened when I did break my ankle. I was in a boot. I was on crutches. The worst actual injury that I ever had, I wasn't in a boot or on crutches or really immobilized in any way. The worst injury that I ever had was I had a mid back injury. I still don't really know exactly what caused it, but that was definitely the worst one. The pain of it was unreal. I would, and this part is about to be a little graphic for anyone who's going to be put off by, you know, graphic style injuries, but I would go running and then run for maybe a, a mile, three quarters of a mile. And then I would have to stop, curl to the ground and throw up from the pain of it because the pain was just so intense. And then I would get up and start running again. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that, that shows how resilient you really are. That's great. Um, so uh, just a segueing into the next question here um, from that typical training sessions and, and uh, your training weeks, what, what, what does a typical training session and a training week uh, look like for you now that things are better? So for, tip, for a typical week, mileage-wise, I want to be somewhere from 60 to 80 miles for the week. I would like to be over 80 miles, but I'm not going to be hung up on just trying to hit a number. I, in the past, have been hung up on just, oh, I just need to get you know a few more miles till I get to 80, just a few more miles till I get to 90. But that's not really important at the end of the day. It's more about the quality of the training rather than the quantity. A typical week, I have two workout style sessions. One of the workout style sessions could be a race. I do pretty much all of my workouts within reason on a treadmill. And I think a treadmill is a fantastic tool for being able to do workouts, especially if you're somebody who is like myself, where you do your workouts mainly by yourself. And it's great because one, you know, you press a button and you have to go that pace. You either go that pace or you're going to get thrown off the treadmill unless you hit the stop button, which is another feature that you have available to you if you're doing a, a treadmill run, where if things are really going sideways, you just hit the stop button. And it's like, okay, stop. Now it's, I'm living to fight another day. And as far as my long run, that kind of varies in distance, but I would say the sweet spot is somewhere from 15 to 18 miles if I'm not training for a marathon. And if I'm training for a marathon, I really want to go up to marathon distance. The thing that I always tell people is if you're not really training super seriously for a marathon, then it's fine to just maybe go up to 20 miles in total because then you'll maybe mix in walking and running and jogging and things like that. But if you're training to race a marathon the whole time, 
then you don't want the first time that you're ever experiencing going over 20 miles to be when you're in the race. Because if that's the first time that you're ever experiencing it, then you're first experiencing the most difficult and brutal aspect of the race while you're in the race. And that's just going to be mentally way over excruciating for somebody who's never been in a marathon before, who doesn't know what it's like to hit the wall. The way I would describe hitting the wall to somebody who has never done it before is if you've seen Harry Potter, when they have like the Dementors kiss and they have the Dementors sucking people's life essence out of them. That's how I would describe hitting the walls. It feels like your life essence is being sucked out of your body. It's interesting. I, I, that's exactly how I felt when I ran my first marathon. It felt like some kind of an out of body experience that you just, you just uh, push through, but, um, got a follow up question to that anyway. Um, how often would you say you run on a treadmill during the winter time? Let's say on a weekly basis, how often are you on a treadmill? During the winter time, it's way more frequent just because not only do I not really want to run outside in the dark and in the cold, but also I have, I don't want to say post-traumatic stress of it, but I did fall and break my ankle running out on the ice. So I don't want that to happen again because I'm running outside in the ice. And I would say that during the winter time, maybe 80% of my runs are on the treadmill. And then when it is the summertime or fall time or springtime, then closer to 40%. It's really only going to be the workout style efforts that are on the treadmill when it is ideal to be running outside because I prefer running outside. I prefer running outside. I prefer racing outside. I prefer doing stuff outside in general. I only use the treadmill as a tool to accomplish certain goals that I have as far as workouts or mileage or things like that. If it's impracticable to be running outside because I really want to be smart about it. I don't want to tell myself, Oh, I'm going to run outside no matter what, even if it's, you know, pouring rain and I'm going to, you know, get sick or I'm going to slip or I'm going to have to, you know, really worry about, you know, cars hitting me and things like that. Because if I, you know, get injured or I get sick or stuff like that, then it's going to hinder my training. So I really want my training to be is as ideal and structured as possible. Also related and along these lines, tell us about your favorite workout. My favorite workout is probably just doing a, a time trial on the treadmill because I can just, you know, feel fast and feel like I'm in an ideal situation for running a solid time. A bunch of my best times that I've ever done for certain distances have been just doing a treadmill time trial. I've run something like 32 flat and a 10 K on the treadmill. I've run under 25 minutes for a five mile on the treadmill because it's on a treadmill. And so it's very ideal for doing that when you run outside if you run a five mile or a 10 K, the 10 K might be 6.27 miles or the five mile might be 5.08 miles and it might not be exactly a distance. And then when you're running on the treadmill, you hit that exact distance and then that's it. It's, it says you're done. You don't have to do really any, anything more. So I really like doing the, the treadmill time trials. Another workout that I really love to do is doing kind of short speed intervals 
where the recovery from those intervals is still at a, a sub tempo pace. So maybe you're doing intervals where the intervals are at a, maybe a 440 ish pace or faster. And then the recovery is at something like six minute mile pace or faster than six minute mile pace, maybe. Wow, that, that does sound like a quality workout. And I'm curious what incline setting you use while you're doing all these runs. Usually one, 1.5. I don't really go higher than that unless I'm doing a hill workout. And if you're doing a hill workout on a treadmill, apart from not having the pounding of the downhill, it can be really intense. I think most of the mo- the a lot of the most intense workouts that I've ever done on a treadmill have been doing a hill workout on a treadmill. Because if you put the incline on a treadmill, then it's not going to, the hill's not going to stop until you tell it to stop. So you can just be going uphill for miles and miles or three quarters of a mile or however long your hill repeats are supposed to be. But you just keep going and going and going uphill and there's just no end in sight. Well, all sounds like uh, quality workout stuff there. Um, so just uh, changing gears for a little bit, let's get back to talking about races. Um, you know, we, we had talked about some interesting races that you've done in the past. Uh, you mentioned something about Indian Ladder, and there was also another race in New Jersey. Could you share something about those races? So Indian Ladder was the only race that I ever signed up for where I regretted signing up for that race. I would never say badly about really any other race I've ever done. There's tons of races where... I did it and it was maybe against my better judgment to do that particular race for myself because maybe I wasn't properly prepared or I made some kind of mistake while I was doing the race. During that race, the race was extremely not well marked. I was leading the race with about one mile left to go in the race and I went wrong somewhere. Still to this day, I have no idea where I went wrong. It was something like 80, 90 degrees out. And I ended up accidentally running to the other side of the park. I had to flag down a random couple that were in the park and ask them to use their cell phone so that I could call a park ranger to have them come pick me up and bring me back to the start of the race, which I found out after they came to pick me up was miles and miles away from where the finish was supposed to be. So I still had no idea exactly where I went wrong. I was going through the woods just yelling for help at one point because I had no idea where I was. And I, I really was upset particularly with that race because I I know this is a silly reason, but I felt like I was going to win that race. And I had done like, you know, all the work and I was leading the race and stuff like that. And so I felt like I, you know, I should have been able to, to win the race after, you know, all the work I had put in for doing it. And then I had some kind of weird, stupid, fluke thing happened so that my you know my my glory got taken away from me whatever glory that you would have from doing like a local fun trail race (laughs) and then the other race that i was mentioning was it was a 20 mile race that was part of like a ultra marathon series where they're at the same time i think they were doing a 10 a 20 and a 30 mile race where it was really icy in some kind of park in New Jersey, in North Jersey. And the race director had warned us, oh, you know, make sure you're careful around the turns. Otherwise you might fly off the ice and then go over the edge of a cliff. 
And I was laughing, but then that actually almost happened during the race. I actually almost flew off a, a cliff when I was doing the race. I grabbed onto a root and I looked over the edge and I'm thinking like, oh, he wasn't joking. There was actually a cliff right here. I actually almost went over the edge and I, you know, I saw maybe not like saw my life flash before my eyes, but maybe that little twinge that thinks, oh, you know, th I, this could be the end, like question mark, but it wasn't actually because I ended up grabbing onto a root and, you know, not going over the edge. Or I would have been, you know, severely injured and like hurt and been hospitalized or something from going over the edge of this cliff. And that wasn't even the worst thing that happened in this race. So I ended up going the wrong way. I don't know exactly where in the race I went the wrong way, but I ended up doing an extra two miles. So I ended up running 22 miles instead of 20. And I hit the wall extremely hard and ended up hallucinating. Because apparently, I guess, if you hit the wall hard enough, you can hallucinate. So I started to hallucinate. And I hallucinated that all of the, the lights and the colors around me started pulsating. And it was just a really surreal, almost spiritual experience. And then this was a race that I wound up winning. And I got a Camelback backpack for winning it. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and I would say uh, hallucinations have not happened to me yet. And probably because I haven't been pushing myself as hard as I, as I should. Um, that's wow. That, that, that's some, that's some pretty crazy stuff. Um, now, uh, talking about the, the mental aspect of races, uh, you know, I'm always wondering, do you get nervous before your races? And if you do, how do you calm yourself? I would say the only race or races I would get nervous before would be a marathon. And then the only reason I get nervous is because I don't want to hit the wall and then I always do. So I get myself psyched up. Oh, I hope I don't hit the wall. And then I hit the wall. And that's really the only thing I get nervous about. Apart from that, when I'm running whatever half marathon, whatever 10K, whatever 5K, I'm not really going to be that nervous about it because worst case scenario, I don't run as well as I wanted to. And then I'll just run another race in next week or in two weeks or in a month or whatever it's not really a big deal there shouldn't really be any degree of elitism or thinking that you're you know better than someone just because you won x race or you run x time it's not really a big deal all of it is just about personal accomplishment and when you think of it in perspective of personal accomplishment yeah i'll be disappointed if i don't run certain times or I don't do as well as i hoped but I'm not really going to be, you know, stressing myself over it. If my today isn't my day, then maybe tomorrow will be my day or the next day or the next week or the next month. And so it's really not worth getting nervous about. It would only really be worth getting nervous about if that is maybe like a once in a lifetime opportunity, like you qualified for Boston. It was your first time ever qualifying and you don't think that you're really going to have a chance in the future to be able to qualify, then you might be a little bit more anxious because you felt, you felt like you earned that and you felt like this is your one opportunity. But most of these races, they're not your only opportunity. There's tons of other opportunities out there. So you don't really need to get really nervous or stressed or anything like that. And if you've been running and training and preparing yourself, then, you know, you're going to be ready, you know, for doing a half marathon. If you've been running, uh, mile 
long runs or 10 mile long runs as, you know, a casual runner, if you can run 10 miles, you can definitely run 13. If you could run, you know, 11 miles, then you can definitely run 13. So you shouldn't be nervous about being able to actually complete that distance. And then if you're worried about racing it and being competitive with people, then nobody should really be giving you a hard time if you don't hit the times that you were expecting to run you know you don't hit those times and then again you you live to fight another day you have another race and then you train harder for that race and then maybe you'll hit your goals at that other race i'm wondering if any opportunities for sponsorship have come up and presented themselves to you not any serious ones i've had family friends and family members who have casually mentioned it but apart from that no not really but I mean, I've always thought of the potential for maybe running with a sponsorship with a local craft brewery, something like that. Maybe have some kind of brewery on my uh, part somewhere on my jersey or somewhere on my shorts or something like that, because that's something that I'm really passionate about is local craft beer. Gotcha. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about your, uh, your athletic club that you run with the Willow street athletic club. Yeah. So the reason that I joined Willow street was just because Brad who heads up Willow street, he, he asked me to join. I'd been doing a bunch of the local races after I first moved to the capital region in 2018 and nobody else asked me. And he just said, are you part of a team? And I said, no. And he said, do you want to be part of one? And I said, yes. And so I joined. And then after that, you know, I met up with other people with ARE and, you know, I see them all the time at the races and then people who don't, uh, who I don't really particularly know, they'll just, they'll cheer for me because they're just aware of the presence of Willow Street in general. And it's nice, you know, just being, feeling like you're again, part of a community when you're part of a, a, of a racing team, then I think that that helps you to even more kind of like immerse yourself into the local running scene. So I've always liked being parts of teams, whether it was in high school or college or after college, I've always loved being part of a racing team. It never crossed my mind that I would ever not be part of a racing team. So. And please tell us about who is, who is cheering for you at home there. Uh, My fiance, Sarah is my, my cheering team. She's, she's really my main person apart from maybe if I tell my family that I'm doing a race, but I don't always even tell them that I'm doing a race. So a lot of times they don't even know it's mainly just her. She does really good pictures and sometimes videos of me at the races. And then apart from that, I try to go out of my way as much as possible to meet up with people and speak to people that I just keep seeing over and over at different races there's all kinds of, you know, local people that are, you know, really nice. Um, there's Michelle Davis. She lives in Schenectady. I see her at different races, her and her fiance, Travis. I see him, John Sacito. I see him at a lot of different races. I see you at a lot of different races too. I mean, I, I try to be friendly with, you know, all different people that I see. I'm definitely not a kind of person who is overly competitive as far as oh, I'm going to beat this person. I'm going to, you know, get inside this person's head or anything like that. I'm definitely way more the opposite, which is I just try to be, you know, as friendly as 
with as many people as I can so that, you know, again, I can feel like I'm more part of the running and the racing community. Yeah, that, that's my process as well. I just like to see people at races, you know, get to know who I can. And it doesn't matter what group you're a part of or, you know, what club you belong to. It's just that, you know, the whole running community is just, I feel like it's great in the area. And it's good that we do have a lot of friendly competition going on. I think that encourages people to definitely improve. Um, but, you know, getting back to, you know, sponsorship and, and you, know, you mentioned breweries and things like that. Um, we're at the part where we, we just need to talk about beer. There are a few breweries. Absolutely. Which one do you like the most? It's, it's so hard to pick a single brewery. I feel like if you are not really into craft beer, and you live in upstate New York, that's sort of like living in Mexico and not really liking tacos at all or burritos or something like that. As far as the specific breweries that I most like for the local area, especially where I, uh, where I live right this moment, active ingredient is awesome. Single cut is awesome. Uh, Walt Whitman's brewery up in Saratoga is really fantastic. I would highly encourage anybody who hasn't been there to go check out the specific brewery because the interior of it is awesome. It's just fantastic. It has kind of like a retro records, vinyl records vibe to it. And it's really cool on the inside. Uh, Artisanal up in Saratoga is really awesome. If you go down to Albany, Fort Orange is really cool. Uh, Druthers is cool and has a lot of different cool locations Probably the coolest location right now is Saratoga, but they're opening up one in Clifton Park, and I plan to be there right around when it first opens up. Uh, apart from that, the first brewery that really got me excited about local breweries was probably Keegan Ales in Kingston. I used to go there with my coworkers and with my now fiance, and that's just a really fantastic brewery if you ever get a chance and you're in kind of the mid Hudson Valley area, Keegan Ales in Kingston, New York. Uh, there's also Arrowwood Brewery that's also down in Accord in a similar area to where Keegan Ales is. And I used to live out in Massachusetts. I would go to Harpoon Brewery that's right in Boston. And apart from craft beer, I'm not just, I'm not really just limited to, to craft beer. I really like the craft ciders, uh, the craft distilleries. I'm not really as big into wine as I am into other things. Uh, there's also some cr- great craft meaderies. As far as the cideries, my, probably my favorite one is Bad Seed. That's down in Highland, New York. If anybody's ever in that area, I would highly, highly encourage people to check that one out. Uh, there's also the Ang- Angry Orchard one that's down in Warwick area. I would encourage people to check that one out. I would be really remiss if I didn't mention nine pin in Albany, that's a really fantastic one. Uh, as far as meaderies and, and if anybody doesn't really know mead, mead is the fermented alcohol form of honey. And that was more popular back in like the middle ages, but there's been kind of a resurgence of it now. Uh, Royal meadery in Delmar. I would highly encourage people to check that one out. There's also bull and bee in albany that one's a really cool one as well it's in a really great spot too but yeah i could i could probably go you know all day as far as 
talking about craft beers, craft cider. I could probably do, if I was doing my own podcast, I would maybe do, you know, like IPAs and interval training or hops and hill repeats, something like that. Some kind of uh, podcast that has to do with, you know, drinking and trying different craft beers and then, you know, doing uh, a segment about running. That's a, that sounds great. And all these breweries that you just mentioned are, you know, ones that I've noticed noticed too. And um, it's funny you should mention uh, King and Ales because I have been there and actually go there once in a while because my wife's parents live down in Woodstock, New York. So whenever she likes to go out and meet a few friends from down that way, uh, we always end up at Keegan's and I just like sitting around in the bar, like having a good brew and, uh, you know, eating any food they might have on site. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the city itself is, uh, there's not much going on in the city no. itself, fortunately. Um, but, you know, to have Keegan's there to go to is actually really, really nice. Uh, especially during the summertime. Um, I've gone to watch bands there and I was just there uh, like two weeks ago, incidentally. So it, it's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, where I live specifically, I, I really enjoyed uh, Unified Beer Works, which is yeah. um, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's probably a dangerous thing that I can only walk less than a block to get there, go through some of the trails in Luther Forest. It's like a secret pathway to happiness for me. Uh, but um it's uh yeah and i've been active ingredient too and i do like the scene at walt whitman's you know they have a they have a nice place inside they also have a coffee shop there which i find interesting and some of the stuff they have there is also pretty good um so uh let's see here so you so what what would be your favorite beer of all kind of beer or name brand or anything my favorite beer is definitely guinness even though that's not really a craft beer, that's that's definitely my all-time go-to. I've been out to Ireland. My fiance feels like Guinness tastes better in Ireland, but I don't think that I've really had a Guinness where I went wrong having a Guinness, you know, in a can or on draft or wherever I've had it. So Guinness is definitely my favorite one. There's a few other ones that I really like. I'm more of a uh, porters and stouts guy. I think that the Saranac after dark beer that's probably amongst my favorite that i've ever tried it's dark chocolate and cherry flavored so it definitely tastes like a dessert style beer and then apart from that uh i i just kind of like to try you know the wide variety of things i'm more of a person where rather than trying one that i are going back to one that i already know that i like i'm more of a person where I just want to try something new just because it's new, even if I don't think that I'm going to like it. So that's where being big into craft beer and a fan of craft beer really shines because you try a lot of things where people are maybe experimental or it's things that you haven't heard of or haven't seen before. And it's, it's kind of exciting in that way, you know, just being able to see these local people who are passionate about, you know, making these different craft beers where maybe it started off as just like a side project where somebody was working on it in their garage. And then it became something where they opened up their own brewery. That's what happened with other one that just opened up in Half Moon, New York. I just went there last weekend, I believe it was. The person was saying that they just had a bunch of tanks and then they were doing it as a side project in their garage. It started off 
And then it became opening up a brewery. I think a similar thing happened with Fidens in Colony, where they were just, you know, working on it on their own. And it was a side project thing for them. And now they uh, uh, they have their own warehouse style space. They're trying to open up a tap room for it. But I would highly recommend anyone who is in the area to check out Fidens and Colony because they're really fantastic. They have a lot of really good IPAs. But I think that just in general, uh, I think uh, it's something that you touched on that I think is really interesting is the fact that, say, for Kingston area, there isn't really a whole lot going on in that area. And then you have this really great craft brewery that's sort of like a like a cultural touchstone for the community. So you have these breweries where you have it in an area where there isn't really a whole lot going on in that area. Maybe sometimes there is. I mean, at Walt Whitman's area, there's a ton going on in, you know, as far as being in upstate New York, there's a ton going on in that area. But you have some of these breweries where there's not really anything else going on in that area. And if it wasn't for that brewery, there wouldn't really be that much of a reason to go to that spot, especially not really that much of a reason to go to that spot over and over again. Yes, uh, and I, I would still go down to Kingston just uh, Kingston just for Keegan's. I would still do that. Oh yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's a definite there. Um, so let's see. We we've covered every we've covered a lot so far, but you have to tell us about combat sports because we're going to title this podcast episode with combat sports. Tell us about this hobby that you're into. Oh man, if there was something that I could just watch every weekend it would be fights the boxing matches the mma fights i just love the over the top personalities of the fighters my style is impetuous my moves are impregnable i'm coming for your heart i'm gonna eat your children that's mike tyson if anybody <laughs> wasn't aware of it <laughs> nice. or i wrestled an alligator i tussled with a whale locked up lightning throwed thunder in jail last night was in the hotel room flipped the switch was in the bed before the room got dark I'm bad. That's uh, Ali. <laughs> anybody doesn't know that. And so I just love the way over the top personalities of the fighters. And I think fighting is just, it's just so different from the mentality of running where it's, I do running and it's like, you know, I think, I think that I do, I feel like I'm doing just on my own and it's like my Zen thing. And it's always been described well, I've heard it described where when you're a fighter, you live a fighter's life. When you play football, you're playing football. When you play baseball or basketball, you're playing those sports. When you're a fighter, you don't play at being a fighter. You live the life of a fighter. And even though I do a sport that is not really combat sports, when I was in college, my coach, Eamon O'Brien, it wasn't really based on combat sports. But he really liked the idea of having the more aggressive mentality and bringing that kind of aggress aggressive mentality into the running to just kind of make it, you know, more exciting, make you feel like more passionate about the sport. And I just love just seeing the different fighters and getting pumped, you know, watching them uh, live these lives that are just kind of cinematic in nature. And it's just really fantastic, you know, watching uh, all these different fighters where they have to do these things where I just think that running 
26 miles, you know, pales in comparison to, to, you know, you're getting choked and you're getting punched in the face. You're having to cut weight. You're having to mix power with speed and agility and then being able to, you know, go for 25 minutes hard and then you still get knocked out at the last second. And it's like, there's so much volatility with it. And it's, you know, the sports are completely different. You know, running is not, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily in itself say that, you know, running is, is easier than combat sports. But I just think that the people who participate in combat sports, they are just on a whole different mentality. It's just like I said, where it's, you're living the life of a fighter. And for me with my running, I feel like I run and that's just a separate thing that is, uh, not really the same as my ordinary life. When I'm living my, my regular life, I'm, you know, sitting at a desk a lot of the time I'm sitting, you know, in my room alone a lot of the time. And then I go off running and then I feel, you know, I feel kind of like special for a little bit, you know, because I'm doing my, my running and that's the thing that I'm excited about and I'm passionate about as opposed to my life is fully structured around the fact that I'm a runner, you know, I guess maybe part of me wishes that my life could be structured around, you know, being a runner because it's, you know, it's what I understand. But if I'm being realistic, then, you know, I do my running and then I have like a regular life that I have to go back to, which is something that makes me really excited when there's people like yourself who do a podcast like this and you make it so that it's, you know, something that is sort of like a, a little side thing that maybe people don't think about as much, but it gets them a little bit more excited for it, you know? And then there's, you, you can do a podcast and then people get like a little bit more excited. You do races and people get a little bit more excited and it's all these little things that add up to make it so that it becomes a full, you know, a full community and it becomes like a full thing that people can, can, you know, feel like they can be excited about because there's a lot of stuff going on. Exactly. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to listen to this episode and uh, get more excited and interested at all the kinds of things that you mentioned, um, including this next section, which is I call the this or that section. It's kind of like rapid fire. Are you a morning or a night runner? I think we know the answer, but please elaborate. I'm definitely a night runner because it's what I look forward to in the day. So I don't really want to get it out of the way in the morning because it's something that I look forward to to kind of de-stress myself from the various stresses that I encounter during the day. Uh, I run in the morning if I have to, or if it's, you know, obviously for a race that is in the morning. But apart from that, I prefer to run in the afternoons. And do you, do you prefer trails or roads when you run? It would depend on the road and depend on the trails. Uh, I mainly prefer, or I, I shouldn't say prefer, I mainly wind up running on paved trails. I think that that is kind of a hybrid of what you would deem roads and deem trails. I really, really, really loved running on the trails when I lived in New Paltz. They have some of the most fantastic trails that I am aware of. I think that there's a few people who have mentioned to me who have run throughout the whole United States who said that the trail system in the Mid-Hudson Valley is amongst their favorite areas in the whole country to run in. And there's the there's trails in Rosendale that are really fantastic that they sometimes do races on. 
Uh, there's trails that go through the town of New Paltz. There's the Springhead Trail that's up in the Mohawk Preserve in New Paltz that has some of the best views and some of the best trails that I've ever run on. So if it was like that, then I would always be running on the trails. But realistically, where I currently live up near Boston Lake area, uh, I prefer to I typically wind up running on the roads. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, although there are some trail options up here. And that's nice, too. Um, but do you prefer a medal or a trophy after a race? I would probably say a medal because it's more practical to walk around with a medal. I've had some trophies that I thought were really cool. And then after a few minutes of thinking it's really cool and you're like lugging around a trophy and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to bring this to my car now. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, so track repeats or hill repeats? Definitely hill repeats. I would do anything to avoid being on the track. Just anything. I don't, I don't even really, really like hill repeats, but I would still prefer doing hill repeats over running on track because I just don't like it. And I, I think I know the answer to this next one. Um, coffee or beer? Well, I think that a more interesting way to answer this question is if it was good beer versus good coffee, then definitely the good beer. If it was bad beer versus bad coffee, then the bad coffee. And if I think that, I think if I was to cut coffee out of my life, I could find a replacement for it. I would maybe drink tea or do juice or something like that. Some, some other energy alternative, but there's not really going to be an alternative for good craft beer. There just isn't in the world. Agreed. Yes. And uh, headphones or no headphones when you're out running? When I'm outside, definitely no headphones. If I'm on the treadmill, then I have to have headphones. And how about uh, for rehab or workouts, hammies or glutes? So I, I think I understand the question better now when you're saying it's for rehab. If it was for admiring on another person, maybe glutes. If, it was for, if it's doing a rehab, then I would say probably hamstrings. And I use the roll eight uh, roller. I use a stick roller. I have a percussion gun. Uh, I use those at various times. I like the Roll 8 roller. Yeah, I have one of those as well. Those are nice. Very nice. Um, and you're in a race, and it's the seventh mile, and do you puke it up or suck it up? I'll puke it up. It wants to come out, so just let it out. I've only had one, one or two races, I think, where I threw up in them. I think there was one race that I did... I think it was in Castleton on Hudson. I might be confusing the town, but there's this race where it's a 10 mile race. And I, I used the gel where I use the gel that I don't, don't normally take. And it was really watery. And I went to take the gel and shot into the back of my mouth. And I just started like projectile throwing up everywhere. And then the person told me that there was, a, there it happened to be a person with the race who was there that said, don't give up, don't give up, you can keep going. And I think that was the only reason that I kept doing the race, even though I was like seven miles into the 10 mile race and wanted to stop. And in the wintertime, treadmill or frostbite? Treadmill. Okay. And uh, last but not least, do you prefer the start or the finish of a race? The finish, without any doubt. Yeah. The finish is what you earn. The start, anybody can get to the start. Gotcha. And uh, lastly, do you have any advice for a new runner, new on the scene, novice, any advice at all? So 
one of the last thoughts that I probably wanted to share is just kind of my thoughts on how seriously people could take running. As far as for myself, I would say that I take running like a little bit more seriously than than most do, but only from the perspective of myself. I'm not going to think that I'm better than anybody because I'm faster than anyone, because that's not true. Just because you're faster than somebody doesn't mean that you're better than them. People can be better at all different types of things. And just because you run X time over X distance doesn't make you a better person in any way than, you know, somebody else, somebody who's maybe just starting off, maybe somebody who's been doing it for a long time, but then they stopped for a long time and now they're coming back or somebody who uh, has some kind of, you know, illness or condition or something that you don't know about that makes it so that running, you know, what would uh, normally be sort of pedestrian times are a really huge accomplishment for that person. So you don't really know anybody's background. So you shouldn't really have any sort of elitist mentality over people just because you think that they're faster, you're, you're faster than them, or you finished, you know, X places ahead of them at any different given race. But on the flip side of that, you know, I really love running and I, I just couldn't imagine my life without doing it. If I was told that I was eminently going to die, if I continued running the way that I do, I would still keep doing running, even though I knew that it would kill me, even though that I knew that my loved ones would potentially be upset by my decision to do that. I would still do it because it's what I'm passionate about. And it's okay to, you know, not have that mentality. It's okay to not really care about running, not really be, you know, that excited or passionate or anything about it. But it's something that is really important to myself. And I think that it's, it always comes back to that sense of personal accomplishment and what you want to get out of running and not holding other people to your standards of what you think is important with running. Well said. Thanks for being on the podcast today, John. It was great to have you here. Thank you very much. It meant a lot to me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 5 Run 8 podcast and my discussion with John Lindenauer. Tune in next time. We'll be talking to another runner from the 518 area code. And a special thanks to local artist Mikey Finn, who donated music to this podcast. <laughs>